We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From the WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. It's not a happy town here right now. And I broached it the other day. I was on WEEI and I said, you know, it makes all the sense in the world, football-wise, to bring back a quarterback who you've seen play at a level in this league, who is on a managed contract, who has three years in the league, has actually seen more horror stories already than guys who've been in the league for 10 years. He can help the Patriots. And as I was uttering the question or the statement, the host said, oh, no, because really that's, the atmosphere is toxic toward Mac right now. So even if it makes all the sense in the world football-wise, again, non-football, off the field, non-contractual, non-everything, people don't want to see Mac back. Yeah, people, including this person, Tom. I was on the radio on WEEI, and they didn't even let me finish my question. Yeah, it's because you're bringing up the idea of bringing Mac Jones back. That sucks. I'm not going to let you finish that question. Oh, Jones, you don't let anybody talk anyway. I just, my God, bringing Mac back, that better not happen. That that Daniels story, coupled with Mike Reese over the weekend, coupled with Gerard Mayo's comments, has shook me a little bit. That door better be shut. Triple locked, closed, no chance of being reopened. Uh, so that was current on the Patriots Talk podcast. We played a few clips from it today. Joe Dickinson. I mostly enjoyed, although, Mego, I know you listened to the full thing. Uh, I I was I, over under 20 golf references in the hour. Over. Just as someone outside the golf world, he kept using it like universal oh metaphors, and I was like, just talk about the football. We're, so, we're here on a football podcast. We so get it. I think the Mac stuff is interesting because it does inform how you're drafting. The Patriots tried to wait for their quarterback, and they tried to build up their roster around their quarterback, and it didn't really work. You know, they took the quarterback that was left over at 15. I don't think they targeted him and went and got him. The Chiefs targeted Mahomes. They moved up and took him, right? And there are other examples of this. Some work, some don't. I mean, how do you feel about the Texans targeting Deshaun Watson? He can play. Not a good guy. He's no longer there. Josh Allen hasn't won yet, but the Bills targeted him. That's what the Patriots should do. And that, to me, means if you if you like Jaden Daniels and you think he could go two, find a way to get up to two. Or find a way to get up to or do whatever. If you have conviction, go get your guy. That's what those teams have done. I just want to hear where you're going to get your quarterback. That's the part that irritates me because it's like we can't pass a well, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, possible generational talent, this and that. And it's like okay, like I, th- I understand that perspective. I I have made similar arguments at times in past drafts. But tell me where the quarterback's coming from. Well, and tell me how long until you find him. Are are you are you getting him this off season? Is it Cousins or is it just? Well, we'll figure it out two years from now, three years from now. Are you going to have the balls to do it then? You don't have the balls to do it right now. And how long? just how long am I waiting in the meantime for you to be competitive and interesting and maybe a playoff team again? How long am I waiting? You get the quarterback, you can turbocharge it. He can bust. It, it might be a complete whiff. Gross. But, <laughs> but if you hit on that pick, you're going to turn things around exponentially faster than, 
well, let's build up the roster. And then next year, let's build up the roster again and make sure it's perfect for when you drop the quarterback in. You still need to hit on the quarterback then, or the roster around him isn't going to matter. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson was a late first-round pick. Jalen Hurts, second round. Jordan Love, late first round. Like, it's not like you need to go into the top three. It's not It's not a necessity. I, Maybe you have a better shot at that. But if you think you can get somebody in the top three that your quarterback can throw to that you get later on, I'd rather do it that way with the way this team is set up right now. And it's different for each team. I don't think every single team has to go by the same way of doing things. I just look at the Patriots' offense, and it was so awful. I mean, it was just such a such a mess for the last two years that I just feel like you need to do so much work. And, so, uh, you know, the quarterback is something that I think if you do the right amount of work, you could get a quarterback who's not, you know, a top three guy, drop him in there and, and maybe get somewhere. So vote now at Jones and Mego. It's our big question of the day. We'll get into the offensive coordinator search, which is uh, taking forever. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you like the process the Patriots are going through? Uh, and how should they build their team? Uh, namely, what are they doing at three? Uh, Mac Jones being the cautionary tale there. Let's get to some phone calls. Phil's in Maine. Go ahead, Phil. Hey guys, thanks for taking the call. So, Bill Belichick bet on himself, especially after Brady left. And the guy has been so arrogant in the way that he ran this team. And he truly believes that he can coach anything in any group of players, no matter the talent, and win with them. And that's clearly not the case. And that's why he doesn't, his ass doesn't have a job now, is because I think he goes into every organization and he tells them, hey, look, you want to win, you're going to let me run things the way I see fit, and I'm going to bring you championships. And the only thing he's brought in the last four years is just a lot of heartache, a lot of like players that basically want to be removed from the franchise. You know, he ruined the quarterback, and, and it's just, no, his way is not going to work. Yeah, so look, uh, because he brought up Bill Belichick, and you know, we started the show by talking about the, the comments from uh, Max throwing coach and whether or not that ultimately was Bill's undoing. He feels that way. And are the Patriots afraid to take a quarterback because Gerard Mayo doesn't want to hitch his wagons as a defensive guy to a quarterback right away and seal his own fate if the quarterback doesn't work out? Maybe. He brought up Bill. And there's more reporting out of Washington. This is from Adam Schefter. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, who apparently turned down the Lions. I don't really buy that has two years remaining on his contract with Detroit. I mean, Detroit. turn down turn the down Commanders. Washington. I'm sorry, turned down a job with the Commanders, rather, uh, and is staying in Detroit. And I don't really buy that he did that. Uh, his deal was not adjusted to stay, per league source, proving that money is not Johnson's biggest motivation. The Lions still could opt to adjust the contract down the line. So, I don't know. Did he did he feel like somebody else is warming in? And this is where Bill may come up. Like, are the, are the Washington Commanders looking at it and going, huh, we kind of thought build to Atlanta was a done deal. And now he's out there, and you know what? We're not going to go full steam ahead with Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson said, well, then fine. Then I'm getting a sense that I'm not the guy anymore. Maybe it's Aaron Glenn. Maybe it's Dan Quinn. Maybe it's Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator in Baltimore, Bobby Slowick. I don't know. Or maybe it's someone like Bill. And I think that's why he took his name out. I, I don't think he was, like, offered the job and turned it down. I don't buy that for a second. Why, no, why, they, would, why would anybody do that? They are still interviewing guys. Right. And they were they were interviewing guys yesterday. But if he so. thought he was the guy and was going to get the job, I don't think he would take his name out. I don't. I still do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I still don't understand why he took his name out. And and they throw uh, Schefter in the original report through Seattle in there, too, who hasn't made the hire and seems to still be interviewing. It's odd because, as we talked about yesterday with Dan Campbell, there's no guarantee that Detroit is going to be on such a big platform with their offensive success next year and if you want to be a head coach like you take the head coach position when you get it offered 
or when it looks like you're going to get it offered. So I, I'm surprised because it's there was so much smoke over the last week that he was going to be the lock there for head coach. I, now it seems like Washington's all over the map. Yeah, if you had a job offer, why wouldn't you? Or if you thought you were the favorite, why would you back out? I mean, maybe he's one in a million and says, you know what, I'm comfortable in Detroit. He, he just loves Detroit that much. Maybe he thinks. Dan Campbell isn't long for Detroit. Maybe he knows Dan Campbell is on the hot seat. Maybe Detroit gave him more money. You know, I mean, no, it they could just be, said they, just, they I mean, didn't have just said they did contract. Not. Maybe they did it under the table. Like, you know, there could be something going on there. There could be some sort of wink and nod agreement. I think that that's, you know, not the most uncommon thing in the world either. And also, listen, the, the fact that they have these new rules now where you have to wait until the team's eliminated, you have to wait till after, you know, the, the whole thing's over and you can't talk to anybody. And I know that they probably talk behind the scenes anyway, but now that there's actual rules and regulations about it, I mean, he really only had two options, and maybe he didn't like either of those two options. Yeah, look, I, I wonder if Bill is still alive in the coaching search in Washington. That's what I wonder. Uh, you guys can jump in, 617-779-7937. Jan is in Haverhill. Welcome back, Jan. Hi. Hi, Jan. Hi, Jan. Can you hear me? We got yeah, you. what's up, can Jan? Hi, Mego. Hi, what's Hi, going Jan. on? Hello. Nothing. Um, you was talking about Mac Jones. We were. If they want to win again, get rid of him. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Amen, Jan. Amen. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> Plain and simple. If you want to win again, get rid of Mac. Agreed. Uh, we have Rob Bradford standing by. Tough to argue with. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I, I completely I've made, agree. I've, I've been making cases for Mac, but I couldn't make one. I, I couldn't possibly agree anymore. Uh, Rob Bradford joins us 20 minutes from now for his weekly appearance, normally at 4.30. We talked to him at 3.30 today. Uh, Fenway Sports Group, active in uh, more purchases. Not for the Red Sox, of course. Justin Turner is now a Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, so we'll get to that with Brad Foe, 617-779-7937. I asked you earlier, Mego. This warms my heart. As Jan did. Um... How do you feel about the offensive coordinator search? Because on the one hand, I like that there's 11 names involved. I like that some of them have Shanahan and McVeigh ties. I don't like that it sounds like Nick Cayley is the front runner, and he's effectively a Bill slash Josh McDaniels guy. So how are we feeling about the offensive coordinator search? I'm okay with how long it's taking. Like as long as you're you have a real shot at some of these guys and neither side is wasting the other side's time, it's the opposite of the Gerard Mayo search, yep. which didn't seem to exist. They just signed a contract a year ago saying that he was going to be the heir. So I, I think it's the right thing to do to go out and talk to a lot of different guys and get a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I, I saw a report. I think it was Phil Perry saying that uh, that. Gerard Mayo has a very strong inclination towards a McVeigh or Shanahan uh, experience coordinator, which I also like. I would like that. I don't know if I'm saying like Nick Haley because he had one year with the Rams is of the McVeigh tree. He's like not. how much did he actually absorb? How many ideas did he come up with af- off of that? I don't know. Like I really don't know. I At don't the same think time, much. Like I'm, I'm not knocking the process. Arkin? I think that it's problematic. I don't love that it's taking so long. I don't love that they're interviewing all these people, and it seems like a bunch of them are signing with other teams. Like, he's skipping the senior bowl to put this thing together. It seems like no one wants the job. That's what it seems like to me. It seems like no one wants to be the offensive coordinator of this team, except for maybe Nick Cayley because no one else wants to hire him. And listen, if they get somebody and that person has some new innovative ideas, great. But it doesn't seem like the – Top of the, it's like it's like the Red Sox and their uh, chief baseball officer search. They you couldn't know? even get people to interview they, though. They, there's 11 guys who have interviewed. That's true. They're at least getting interviews, which is a step up from the Red Sox. But I do think that it's uh, it doesn't appear to be a particularly attractive job. Arkin. It doesn't seem like one that the 
guys are chomping at the bit to come over here and run an offense when it was the worst offense ever last year. Arkand and Slack this morning. Uh, a little stronger. Sounds like it's taking a while because nobody wants the job, so much so that Mayo has to skip the Senior Bowl in one of the biggest drafts in franchise history so he can bring in his fourth or fifth choice. So, like, I I think it's Nick Cayley. And if it's Nick Cayley, then I wonder if this is all a sham. Uh, maybe you get a stray interview. Like, at least if you're talking to people, maybe you get a stray idea, I should say, not a stray uh, interview. A stray idea from people on the Shanahan tree. I think it's Cayley. Reese said as much the other day. He has a way of reporting these things. If it's Nick Cayley, then... I don't like this process. It, w- it was a waste of time. Maybe you're picking people's brains. That's something. And it's better than just hitching your wagons to Mayo and not even doing interviews. But, like, if they're not bringing in someone from the Shanahan tree or someone really from the McVay tree or even someone like Gerard Johnson in Houston, who was the quarterback's coach of C.J. Stroud, I'd take that. If you're not doing that, then what was the point of all this? Just to bring back Nick Cayley, who the Crafts know and Gerard Mayo knows? That stinks. Six one seven. And you shouldn't seven, have to skip nine. the senior bowl to do that either. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Why right? Why are you skipping the senior bowl on top of it? Great point. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We'll get back into your feedback here coming up. We have Rob Bradford, as mentioned, standing by for some thoughts on the Red Sox. That's after trending with Christian Archer. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of Jones and Mego on W-E-E-I. Are they trying? Because they, no. they let Justin Turner... They're not... Okay. They're not trying. Let's face it. They're the Boston Red Sox, okay? They don't have this regional sports network problem. They own Nesson. They are a team that should be... As their chairman, Tom Werner, said earlier this offseason, they should be full throttle. They've got Jordan Montgomery sitting in Boston, working out in Boston. His wife is doing a residency in Boston. He is right in front of them. And maybe they'll sign him, but it sure doesn't seem like they're going to do anything big. Sam Kennedy, their team president, said at their winter event that they probably, or he indicated they might be cutting payroll. It's inexplicable to me the way they're running this thing. Now, they have young talent coming. They've got some interesting pieces, even this year, that they're going to incorporate. But, again, it's the Boston Red Sox. Ken Rosenthal with A.J. Pierzynski on the MLB Network, I believe. Where was that, Ryan? That was Foul Territory. Oh, I'm sorry. That was on his podcast, Foul Territory. Thank you, Mego. So... Just understand the source there. That is not hot take, talking head, flame-throwing Ken Rosenthal. That's, you know, respected baseball insider. You know, strong opinions aren't exactly his game. It's more information. 
And when he asks, gets asked by A.J. Bierzynski, are they trying, he says flatly, no. No, they're not trying. Jordan Montgomery's there. They're not spending. I, I don't know what Sam Kennedy would call him. Probably a liar, I guess, based on that. But the Red Sox said definitively, it was Tom Werner, I believe, said definitively to fans on the Friday evening of winter weekend before Kennedy called everybody a liar with Ken and Curtis. Freaking electric. On Saturday, uh, they said they are reducing payroll. And Mego told you that weeks and weeks, months ago, that the Red Sox are going to be right around $200 million, which is where they're at. Uh, so it's Jones and Mego with Arcan here on WEEI. We'll talk to Rob Bradford about 10 minutes from now. He makes his weekly appearance, normally at 4.30. We're going to talk to him at 3.30 about this offseason, FSG's rumored deal with the PGA Tour. Uh, what does that mean for Red Sox fans? Because I think fans should care about this, uh, along with plans for their offseason. But just real quick, because I mentioned Kennedy. Uh, Arkan, you sent this yesterday. This is from Dan Shaughnessy, a letter to John Henry. Uh, he added a, a side note where he said he spoke with Sam Kennedy about these comments that he made here on WEEI. To yeah, he's a liar. He said, uh, that's not what he said. He said, uh, Dan talked to him thinking he may want to clean up his phrasing from winter weekend. Uh, Sam Kennedy said, quote, my choice of words probably wasn't entirely appropriate. Oh, you think? It represented my frustration with the notion of anyone questioning my commitment, uh, our commitment, I'm sorry, and desire to be competitive. I should have used words that didn't correctly reflect how we feel about the privilege of owning this franchise. So to me, that's obvious. He just, they tried, they get called, you know, dispassionate and, you know, they get called out for all these other things. They don't have the same fire. And so they're trying to lash out and show they have emotion. But he stepped in it there. Like, you can't you can't call everybody liar. We want some emotion, but you can't run around calling everybody liars. And if you do, expect the blowback, which they are clearly getting. When you say, now nah, you're a liar, we're just as invested as we've ever been. Now you're invested in some things. You know, the Penguins, the PGA Tour, yeah. Liverpool, Fenway Commons. Like, you're invested in certain things. You're just not all that interested or invested in this team. And your money Proves it. It's really starting to look like every time Red Sox ownership or their mouthpieces uh, come out and act like, try to act like people, <laughs> talk to the humans. Freaking electric. They absolutely <laughs> step in it. Whether it's full throttle or you're a liar, like they just miss the mark so much. And nobody would really care about that stuff if you were actually doing anything with your payroll. Like all of this is people want an explanation. They're never going to give you the explanation, which is they're waiting around for the core to mature before they spend any money, if they ever spend money in free agency or trades or anything like that again at the major league level. And I thought John Tomasi had a great piece on NBCSports.com about this. Guess what? Those three prospects that they think are going to bloom into the next Mookie, Devers, and Xander, like, again, not a sure thing. Get ready for the spotlight. Can you handle the spotlight? Because those kids... Hey, get ready to trade them when they turn 26, too, Yeah, well, that, way. too. But, like, <laughs> Cassis has kind of been in the spotlight, sort of, I guess. But those other two kids, they haven't been above double A. And so, right, how are they going to deal with Boston? The Red Sox have no idea. They have no clue. No. Arcan And their front office now has retracted more uh, public statements than they have signed <laughs> pitchers so far. This year, so. <laughs> so let me ask you about what Rosenthal said there. And I'll open up, up to you guys on the phones as well, because I'm curious about this. And my sense is Ryan's right. Fans mostly just don't care. They're apathetic. Uh, but you let me know. If the Red Sox signed Jordan Montgomery, how would you feel about that? Would that would that be, oh, boy, the Red Sox waited out the market. Good for them. 
Or would that be the Red Sox just rolling over and caving to public pressure about their lack of spending? Like, how would you view that? I'd view it as a positive thing. I think that Jordan Montgomery is a guy that they probably should have uh, emphasized and gone after and made a real push for. I don't think that, you know, he's going to be the top choice for the Red Sox. Like, I don't think he's looking at all his offers and saying, oh, you know, Boston's probably the most attractive place for me. He's coming off a World Series, you know. I don't think that the Red Sox are going to offer the most money. And I think that if if this was a different year or a different group there, if it was Dave Dombrowski, you would know that there's going to be a market-comparable offer that's made to him. And you would feel good about that. And you'd feel like, okay, well, even if this isn't his ideal place, you know that they're at least going to be on the level and they'll have to consider this. And I just don't get that feeling now. There's no expectation of that with this with this group. Yeah, so I'd almost respect them more if they didn't sign Jordan Montgomery. Because <laughs> they're sticking to their guns? Yeah, like like I want the I want them to spend money. But I never was like, they need Jordan Montgomery. I never said that. Well, I they never need wanted Jordan. Okay, but I wanted them to get Otani. Yeah. I wanted them to get Yamamoto. I wanted them to make, like, real moves. Trade for Juan Soto. I wanted real moves. And so I'd almost respect them. Like, if they went out and signed Montgomery early, maybe I'd care. They already kind of did this with Giolito. Yeah, but I don't care about that one. And that's not – I feel like they didn't really spend real money on that. No one that. else wanted Giolito. Yeah, exactly. He, well, that's he what even... they're sitting here with Montgomery. Okay, but let's see. And so I'd almost respect them more if they just said, you know what, F everybody, all you liars out there, F you. We're not spending on anyone. This is our plan. Like it or hate it, this is what we're... I'd almost respect that more than if in like a month they tuck their tails and sign Jordan Montgomery. Because then they're just flying by the seat of their pants, reacting to public pressure, and I kind of hope now they just don't sign... If you're going to sign a pitcher, sign a good one. Don't don't back into Jordan Montgomery in March. I don't think they're going to do it. Because I think that they're just going to try to keep their pay payroll low, and then when they get into the season look at how the team's doing and expend another $10 million or something and say that they have faith in the team. Look, and what we did, our core, look at these young players, look what they're doing. And they can say that they doubled down on the team that they put out there and still be well under the luxury tax. So, look, I, I'm i not going to... Like, I think that's the blueprint they're going by. I'm not going to chastise them for spending. I'll, I'll, I'll champion them for spending and credit them for spending because I've been yelling about not spending. But I, at this point, it's like... This is no longer your plan. You're not waiting out the market, I don't think. And so I wish you signed some good players at the beginning of free agency. That's what I wanted you to do. Do you care about Turner? No. Yeah, I don't really. Either. I don't. I, I got to be honest. I mean, it's just it's just money. So if you brought him back, like I wouldn't kick and scream. But no, I don't. I don't. I don't care about losing Justin Turner. Who most of the rest of the league is waiting out the market too, just for the record. Like the Dodgers are the only team that's signing anybody. <laughs> like you're mostly most of the rest of Major League Baseball is doing what the Red Sox are doing. Is that true? So that's well, yeah. And the Blue Jays just signed somebody. The Blue Jays signed Justin Turner the for thirteen Yan- million dollars. The You're talking about like big, high-profile. The pitchers. Yankees went out and traded for Juan Soto. Uh, okay, they didn't sign anybody. Okay, but I'm just saying, like I, I don't know that all of baseball is just sitting around waiting. I don't know if that's accurate. These are all Boris clients, by the way. Uh, Mo- Snell and Montgomery, they're all Boris clients. So maybe there's something to it. Well, and have the other, I, I know you're talking about this particular offseason, Arcan, but like, have the other clubs been sitting around year after year right. shedding stars and payroll yeah. and then doing this? And meanwhile, what, are the, have, what yeah. are the Red Sox spending Not their money on? Uh, let's get to that. But I want to remind you, WEI's coverage of the football postseason is brought to you by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. So one of the things we, we did ask Bradfo about last week And, Mego, you came in last week and said, boy, I don't know if anybody really picked up on this story. And it's picked up a lot of steam today. We've already talked through it. 
because Mego was way ahead of it. And then like four people DM me and were like, you're an idiot. Everyone knows this. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it until today. Uh, but now it's a big talker. We were talking about this last week. We asked Brad Full about it last week. Uh, but Michael Silverman wrote in the Globe today, a consortium led by Fenway Sports Group is closing in this week on the PGA Tour partnership stake that could approach $3 billion. That's not all John Henry's money. It's part of a consortium. Uh, but you imagine the Red Sox have a big chunk of that $3 million, both Henry and Warner. A stake and roll for Saudi Arabian-backed PIF Live Golf remains uncertain. We'll see. Something tells me that's going to go through, but we'll see. How should Red Sox fans feel about this? Say, so where'd you find this money? I thought everybody was struggling from COVID still. From the pandemic, I thought you didn't recover. I thought it, it was such a blow. I understand that they are different organizations, but at the end of the day, it's your same ownership. Yeah, but like, so Bradfoe said this to us last week when we asked him, and it's like, if Elon Musk loses a crap ton of money on Twitter, uh, he is. You don't think that impacts like his other business dealings? You think it's just, oh, that's the Twitter bucket. I don't have to worry about that. Like, I, I don't want to see the Twitter bucket. So that's that's kind of how I, it's that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, all right, well, I get it. They're separate businesses and they're run separately, but like the money ultimately all comes back to the same place. Uh, so joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is Rob Bradford of WEEI. And Bradford, I'm curious about this story uh, from Michael Silverman. I just read it. Uh, again, the, the FSG consortium, or a consortium led by FSG, is purchasing a PGA Tour partnership stake that could approach $3 billion. We'll see about the PIF and Live Tour. Um, what do you know about this? What's your understanding of how it will work? And how should Red Sox fans feel about it? Well, no, I'm, I have been in the past. And first of all, how is everybody? I hope everyone's fantastic Doing today. Great. Excellent great show well. so far. Um, I have been one of those guys throughout the last, whatever, 10 or so years who had said, listen, you know, look at how much money they're going to spend on the baseball team. Don't look too much into Liverpool. It's, it is the whole bucket thing and everything else. I have been one of those people. But at the same time, when you get to think things like this and, and they're doing so many different things, the, all I'll say is this, something has changed. Something has changed. And, and whether that's because they're investing heavily in things like this, whether it's because they're losing money somewhere else, but something has changed. And so when we, we can't just say, no, 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 one has nothing to do with the other. Absolutely, something has changed. And so, when, so if you ask me the question about is one impacting the other, or how should we look at all of this, all I know is that John Henry is not approaching the Boston Red Sox in the same way that John Henry always approached Boston Red Sox up until recently. And for Boston Red Sox fans, you can point to whatever way you want. You can point to the golf tour. You can point to Liverpool, whatever it is. Penguins. But it's not the same. Something, some, something has changed. So on that note, uh, with the news of Justin Turner signing with the Blue Jays, uh, what, what do you make of that? Is there anything that you read into that? He is 39 years old. There were jokes last year that his wife took great offense to about his fielding abilities at 39. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think the Red Sox are losing there, or are you okay with him walking out the door? I don't think he was a great fit for what Craig Breslow is looking for at that position, but I'll say this is that it's a loss for the Red Sox. And you might not think it's a great fit positionally, and he's, you know, old as old can be, almost 39, I guess, as old as old can be. Same officially. age as but Adam Jones. It's true. Oh, listen, you're, but, you know, in, in your business, Adam, you're a young man. That's true. It's a young, young man. man. Young Justin man's Turner. Game. Yeah. yeah. 
and 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 who knows? You know, I Justin Turner might not be the same at thirty nine as he's thirty eight. I don't know. But I do know this, is that we can't forget, this comes back to the proclamation that the Red Sox were going to be better when the offseason started. And they just simply aren't right now. And the problem is when you take away Justin Turner as the latest example, because Justin Turner was the middle of the order. I don't care if he was 38. He was the middle of the order guy protecting Rafael Devers. Justin Turner was the undisputed leader of that clubhouse. Justin Turner was the best run producer other than Devers and probably the most clutch hitter that the Red Sox had. So yes, he was 38. Yes, positionally he maybe isn't the perfect fit for what they have. But you have to replace Justin Turner. And they don't they haven't done it. And not only haven't they done it, but they let another team in the division get better by him going there. So, you know, if you if you don't want to allocate the twelve, thirteen million dollars to Justin Turner, fine. But you gotta find it another way to allocate it, which comes back to what we had said before. Something has changed. We 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 have no evidence that they're allocating anything to be allocated to anything. I don't even know if that makes sense. But no, I, I understood that. Something. I like it. I understood that loud and clear. A lot of allocates, but I got that. Uh, uh, it's it's every everybody's <laughs> angry, Rob. I, I yeah. we we get it. Uh, Rob, you know the clubhouse obviously better than we do. Uh, and in the past, we know that when the team was stagnant, didn't do anything at the trade deadline, that did not go over well in the clubhouse. In off season like this, what kind of effect could that have on the clubhouse? It's a good question, Christian, but here's the thing, is that there's not enough established guys in there to be upset. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's true. you know, when, when, when you have, when, no, when, when, put it this way, I went through plenty of spring trainings with David Ortiz saying, why didn't we get Nelson Cruz? Why didn't Nelson Cruz? We got Grady Sizemore, not Nelson Cruz. You know, plenty of where all these guys who had been there, who had built the foundation, and they're saying, hey, we didn't do enough. And but now who's going to say that? Honestly, who's going to say that? Rafael Devers, yeah, he said it at the trade deadline. Sure, Kenley Jansen, yeah, sure, he said it. But Kenley Jansen's on a one-year contract, and he might be traded. Rafael Devers is, you know, is Rafael Devers? He's, he's. I don't think he's a leader on this team. It's no knock on him. It's just his personality, and he's one of the better players, but not a leader on this team. So I just look at it as. Who, okay, who's going to be upset? Trevor Story has to prove himself. He can't complain. Like it's like this is not the same dynamic. So normally I would say, yeah, people are upset. Now the guy who should be upset is Alex Cora. You know, Alex Cora is the guy who's saying, hey, I got one year left of my contract, and I got to manage this team. So let's get some talent on this team that can compete these other teams in the American League East. So, there, sorry, there's just a lot to take in there. We were just talking about <laughs> what has been coming out of the mouths and mouthpieces of ownership, for lack of a better word. And it seems like every corner that they're either they're trying to hype up the fan base or they're trying to defend themselves against accusations that they are checked out or they're approaching this uh, job with less passion, they step in it. So is there anything that they can do over the next couple of weeks to change perception of what has just been kind of a and a crap show since December. Yeah, start with the mishmash of mes- messaging that they've had, which is, as we know, as we talked about last week, which is you have the, them coming out of the gate saying we're going to do all this, full throttle, levers, and all that stuff, and now it's the Fenway experience. Well, it doesn't matter. If you sign Jordan Montgomery, then – 
Okay, there you go. You did something. That's fine. If you make a, if you make a significant trade for a Corbin Burns or someone like that, okay, you did something. But the 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 messaging and the words, it's all it's it's all just white noise now. This is all about results. This is all about what are you going to do? Are you and and if they don't do anything, then if they deservedly should keep getting ripped because this was not what was said out of the gate. And you cannot have the Fenway experience as the thing that everybody is grabbing onto. You can't do that. That's not how this works. If, if they go into spring training with this semblance of a roster and, and, and with, that, with the Fenway experience line just lingering there, then that is one of the low points for the Red Sox in a long, long time because that's not how this ownership had built this team over the last 20 years and certainly not the expectation the people who are spending the money have. So, Brad Fo, let's assume that the fans and people like you and us and everybody shame this team into spending some more money. Who should they spend it on? I think they should spend it on Montgomery. He's not, he's not, the, he's not the perfect free agent. But and, and like I said last week, maybe they're playing the market perfectly. Maybe this is J.D. Martinez all over again. They're riding this out, and they're going to get him at three years instead of six, and there you go. You got your deal that you wanted. But you went into this offseason, and you said, priority, you have to make the pitching better. Well, you got Giolito. Okay, fine. But you get rid of Chris Sale. So who's to say that Giolito is absolutely going to be better than Chris Sale? We can't say that. And other than that, you haven't done anything. So you, you have to go out and do the, what you wanted to be a priority coming in this offseason. And so if you went out and signed Jordan Montgomery, then that would, it would do a lot in a lot of ways. Number one, it would make the team better. Number two, it would eat innings, which they desperately need. And number three, it would get rid of a, a fraction of this narrative, which is, oh, you know what, the, 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 the golf tour is taking away from the, the baseball experience at Fenway Park. Okay, Rob, I want to let you know, the the Twitch chat, the text line, like immediate feedback we're getting on Twitter, uh, they're enjoying the very fired up uh, uh, angry Rob Bradford here today. Uh, so I will let you know that. And I don't want to detour you from from the anger and the this fire. This is passion, Sam Kennedy. This yeah, is what it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I don't want to detour you from the anger. But I did I did want to ask you, you, you must have covered Jimmy Williams, uh, if not in his Boston days, at various points throughout Major League Baseball, right? You know, it wasn't exactly my sweet spot of covering the team. I was uh, I was more of uh, answering phone calls at the Lowell Sun uh, during that time um, in uh, at the Gloucester Daily Times. But you know, I was around enough, and I knew enough people to know how how well respected and important. And you know, you say like a, about a baseball man. You know, that's the thing. He's a good baseball man. But it, you have to sometimes. That's the ultimate compliment in this business. And that's from what I gather, especially from the guys who were around when he was around, that that's what I gather he was. Okay. Uh, so, look, I, uh, I love those Red Sox teams. And, I, and even if you weren't covering them directly, like those, those were Nomar and then Pedro and then Man- – like those were, those were great. Or was that pre-Manny? When was his final year? But like those those teams were oh, yeah. those were great Red Sox teams, uh, and not that they won championships, mm-hmm. but those were fun. Maybe is the better word. Fun Red Sox teams, not great Red Sox teams. Uh, he's Rob Bradford. Uh, we're remembering uh, the Red Sox of yesteryear because this team. I don't think people are looking forward to uh, Bradfo. We appreciate the time. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right, all right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, Rob Bradford is Thank all you, our Rob. Guests, joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Rob Fi- Brad Fire. Fi- I mean, fired up today, which I appreciate. I mean the. 
the Red Sox, Red Sox ownership needs to hear it. I think they hear it a little bit at winter weekend, certainly two years ago, less so this year. I think I've heard a lot of pushback about Sam Con- uh, Kennedy calling everybody liars. Like, I imagine that's the kind of thing that's going to get some blowback. So, I mean, this is now what they got to deal with. And I'll say what I said before. I'd almost respect them more if they don't sign Jordan Montgomery because we all know they don't want to. They don't want to. So this is your plan. Make your bed. Go lie in it. Go go lie in the bed with no free agents. You know, spend $200 million or whatever you're going to spend on your crummy team this year. Bring up your prospects, and they better hit. And if they don't, wear it. But don't hide behind it with, like, some fake signing in March. Like, I'm not going to respect that. I'll applaud them for spending money. I'll say, oh, look, wow, they found $20 million, $25 million a year in the couch cushions. Wow, where'd that come from? But I'd almost respect them more if they stuck to their guns on this one. 617-779-7937. That's Rob Bradford each and every Tuesday here on Jones and Mega with Arcan. Normally at 430. We bumped him up a little bit here today. Uh, coming up next. Ooh. And it's interesting, Rob, because Dan Campbell is at the heart of the analytics debate right now. Bill Belichick maybe didn't get a job in uh, Atlanta because of analytics. And teams weren't interested in Bill because of analytics. Are the Patriots going to force that on Gerard Mayo? Let's get to that with all your phone calls next. This is Jones and Mego. You're Dr. Doom. I am. I'm also Dr. Dongover today. On WEI. You got a chance to go back up by three scores and you go for it on fourth down and then all the dopes on Twitter are backing you up. The the, 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 the data freaks who wouldn't know Lombardi for Paul Brown. Never heard of Otto Graham. Kenny Stabler, Madden, wouldn't know him if they fell on him. They do football via math. That's not how you do football. Oh, my God, what a loss. And America wanted Detroit to win. We've seen this game before. Nobody, but nobody wants to see San Francisco. We've seen San Francisco, Kansas City. And what happened after that? A two-year pandemic. Two months later. I agree with Mad Dog. Let's... Blame the Chiefs and the Niners for the pandemic. I do love that. Yeah, it's truly Rudy Gobert's fault, so I don't know why you're blaming football players. True. Now, what happened after that? A two-year pandemic. Go ahead and argue with it. You can't. Uh, that was Mad Dog with a good rant last night on Sirius. It gets us into the analytics behind the fourth down decision. Like, I'm going to tell you. Some of the, like, Missoula annoys me with his commentary around the three-pointer is the most important play in basketball. You know, baseball is overrun by analytics. I normally like going forward on fourth down. Like, I, I don't want to be one of these people saying, don't do it. I didn't hate the second one that they went for. That first one, though, is indefensible. I like teams going forward on fourth down. I like offense. I like being aggressive. Most of the time when Dan Campbell did it, I agreed. And here's how you know. Like, it, like again, this is where betting comes into things. It's like, when you're betting against a team and they get a stop and it's fourth and one and they're about to punt, you're like, nice. Whenever they go for it, you're like, crap. Like, I never want the other team going for it on fourth down. I always want them punting. And so, to me, that gives you a little bit of the psychology behind it. It's like a defense thinks they're done and now you have to defend for a whole nother down. And on fourth and short, one, two, three, less than five, a lot of cases I, I'm fine with going for it, especially on the plus side of the field. But you shouldn't be going for it every single time it should not be that paint by numbers you have to read the situation a bit and i think that's where the analytics gets lost i think that's where dan campbell uh, got lost never heard of Otto Graham. i do not know how he's relevant but whatever kenny stabler more relevant madden 
I'll take it. Madden, Madden's pretty relevant. They know yeah. Madden. Mostly because of the video game. Yeah, they know Madden. But I just wonder if the Patriots are going to force some of this on Gerard Mayo. And the only thing that's ringing in the back of my head, and I know Greg Hill or actually Shime asked Mayo about this, and he's like, take the points. Uh, because it was going back to, what was it, Todd Bowles' decision against the Lions, ironically, two weeks ago, where he went for two down 14. And Mayo said, take the points. So he's on the record as saying, take the points. But this Peter King line the other day is ringing in my head. Uh, One theory I buy for the market being cool on Belichick is that most teams over the last decade have built staffs of football analytics people with pipelines to the coaching staff and urging from management for coaches to use the work of these brainiacs. It's what he wrote yesterday in Football Morning in America. Belichick has been lukewarm at best to analytics, so an owner who hires Belichick might have to fire part of the building in which they believe in strongly. Paul Brown! So that's why he's not getting jobs. (laughs) In Atlanta or maybe Washington or whatever. Is that part of the reason he got shoved out here? Do the Crafts want to add more analytics and have more say from ownership or management, as Peter King phrased it? And are they going to force some of that on Gerard Mayo? That's not how you do football. If they do, do you like it or do you agree with Mad Dog? That's not how you do football. I don't want them to go to an extreme with it, is what I'd say. I would like them to be a little bit more in step with what it appears that the rest of the league is doing, which is incorporating analytics as a tool into some of the football. Okay, like some of it. I'm not saying that you're sitting there making your decision of whether you're taking the points or going for it based on math, that you have a calculator on the sideline or a designated person who's coming up and changing the play call for you. No, but I think you can go from the extreme of allegedly, if you paid attention to the reporting from Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald midway through this season, that their analytics department just basically vaporized and turned into one or two people over the last decade with Bill Belichick there. Like, I I, I think that you can find a nice middle ground where you're in step. And I know people say this, but I feel this way. It's a tool. It's not like a compass, and it's not a magic eight ball to tell you when to go for it and when not to. But when you're sitting there and you're listening to the wide receivers coach, Troy Brown loved you as a receiver, but you're trying to dunk on reporters because you don't know that separation is a stat that's measured by next gen. Like, you sound out of step with the rest of the league. And so, yeah, I would like some movement towards that. Don't go to the extreme. Yeah, it's another thing I'm worried about with the crafts and Robin Glazer and all like, is this what they're going to be jamming down Mayo's throat? Like, I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little worried about it too. And I also think that what it all really comes down to, not in the case of like when to go for it on fourth down, but I think that in most sports on most teams, the analytics department's there to save money. Like that's what they bring all these things in for these, these, uh, you know, scientific formulas and all this stuff to try and spend less on big players and get the same kind of production from them going all the way back to Moneyball with the A's back in 2001. I mean, that was the whole reason why they, even birth that whole thing and that's really what they've been chasing ever since then and I think that when it really comes down to it with the Patriots you didn't really care like the Crafts didn't care that there was no analytics department it didn't bother them because Bill Belichick just did what he did and didn't think that he needed to spend money well, and he could just win because he's so great when they were winning it didn't bother it them. didn't bother them obviously and then when the team started nosedive when okay then maybe we need to move on from this guy and how do we replace Belichick! him we replace him with an analytics department who will do the things that he did and pare down, you know, all these uh, all these big salaries. Like that's what that's really what analytics are for. So let's uh, add this to the list along with our discussion about Mac Jones and the Patriots' plan to rebuild uh, this roster. John is in Worcester, waiting patiently. Go ahead, John. Oh hi. 
I yeah, I uh, have a suggestion for uh, the uh, Patriots draft. I'd like to see them take Harrison with the number three pick and then take Michael um, Penix with the later round pick. Okay, that's the Arcan plan. Fine with that, or Bo Nix, too. So, uh, yeah, Penix. Penix had nice hand measurements. I saw it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Some nice some nice hand man- measurements at the uh, Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Big mitts. I like look. Heard Nix was not looking too good. No, I, I am. <laughs> I am not gonna. I'm not gonna write off a quarterback because of their height. But hand size, I might. I might take them right off the Jones big board. Uh, so you can weigh in on this. It ties in with our big question of the day up now at Jones and Mego six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Would you want the Patriots to build their roster like the Chiefs, where you go target your quarterback, or do you want to build up the roster and plug in the quarterback like the Niners? Uh, vote now Take on. A guess! On Twitter, take a guess. I agree with Mad Dog. Uh, we'll get to that with our answers next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.